Grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. My dear friends in Christ, there's a lot going on in the passage today, but it does seem a little bit weird. After all, this Lord's Prayer that Luke gives us doesn't match with the Lord's Prayer that Matthew gives us. The one that Matthew gives us is the one that we are more familiar with, the one that we're going to pray in just a few minutes in the liturgy of the supper. This one in Luke seems to be missing some rather large sections. But you have to ask the question, why? Well, to get at that, you have to be asking, what is Luke trying to do in a greater context? Luke is teaching us not just information that Jesus gives us, and it's not that Matthew's just doing that either, but Matthew's entire Lord's Prayer moves into an entire theological treatise on so much doctrine, whereas Luke's doctrines here is trying to, it, what he's trying to do is teach you something real. And something real about God. And that something real is that God wants to give you good stuff. It's true. That's what's going on here. And that's kind of this main thing. And then what Jesus does is he's trying to tell you, ask God for the good stuff. And don't stop. When we think of God, what comes first to your mind? I think of God, and often that first image that pops into my brain is something akin to, you know, God and Adam touching fingers on the the roof of the Sistine Chapel. I think of God that way. And even as a pastor, I think this is how I'm somewhat tempted to think of him, as kind of aloof, as something not present, something great and something big and something holy, yes, but, but something that's different and not really understandable to me. And so I kind of treat him with kid gloves. I, I keep him at an arm's distance. And, and so when I think of God, I don't think of him the way that Jesus is teaching me to do it. How do you think of God? See, Jesus, the first word that he gives us about who God is This first word as we address our prayers is Father. What did you think about your Father? What should you have thought about your Father? Not all of us, I know, were blessed with good fathers. It's true. That's not your fault. That's them not living up to the calling that God the Father has given them. What should you have thought of your father? What do you think about your father? 
I think of my dad, and, and I think of somebody who had deep care and concern and in so many ways echoed after what the father is and what he does. And, and yet still, my father was a pretty great sinner. And I know that because he's dead. And only sinners die. So my father not being perfect is something different still than the father that we're given in heaven. But I think it gives us a picture. In fact, the scriptures plainly tell us that every father on earth has its name because we have a father in heaven. And so when he says father, what should this mean? Someone who loves us. Someone who cares for us. Someone from whom we come. Someone from whom we have our life and being. (coughs) Someone who gives us what we need. Someone who leads us in the paths of righteousness. Someone who walks along with us, supporting us all the way through until we can do it ourselves. Well, what does it mean that God is our Father? Someone who's with you. Someone who gives everything that he has to you. Someone from whom comes your life. Someone who is your source. Someone who cares for you in every way imaginable. And someone who is supporting you in absolutely everything because you cannot stand on your own. When Jesus says, Father, He invites us to plead to God as if He were our dear Father, to run to Him as if He's standing before us with open arms, ready to sweep us up and carry us in comfort and safety and security. But this Father is not just a Father of love and good feeling. He is a Father who is holy. That's what the word hallowed, be holy, your name, be holy. This is the first thing we ask of God. We want your name to be holy. And Luther teaches us truly his name will be holy with or without our prayers. But we pray that it be holy among us also. What does that mean? It means give us a right knowledge of you. Give us a right understanding of who you are and what you are and what you want us to know. Show me your son that I may follow him in love and fealty. Show me my sin that I might rightly fall on my knees before you. Show me your, well, we'll get there in a minute, but forgiveness so that indeed I can stand again. When we pray that God's name be holy, we don't just pray that we're not misusing it, you know, as as it is so popularly misused in almost every TV show, movie, radio program, everything that's out there. We pray that we know who God is. That is His name, holy. And why is that? Because it is His very name that is placed upon you in your baptism. 
His very name you bear into the world, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is the name that is written upon your forehead and written upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let his name be holy among you because you indeed are holy. You have the name of God upon you. You should know what it is that God is giving to you in terms of who he is. And this is what we pray for. We also pray that his kingdom would come. And again, it's going to come without our prayers, but we pray that it come among us also. This is a good thing. The Lord's kingdom coming into this world means a final retribution against evil, a final vengeance against those who have done us wrong, and finally for us, peace at the last, and rest, and life. The kingdom of God throughout the New Testament especially is identified as the very person of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus goes to people and he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you can almost imagine him pointing at himself. The kingdom of heaven, he says to the Pharisees, is in your midst. You can see it with your eyes. And it looks like Jesus. Because where Jesus is, There the love of God for you rests. And if the kingdom of God is Jesus and Jesus is where he promises to be, then you right now are even in the kingdom of God and you pray that it would come across the entire world. This is, if you will, an embassy of the kingdom here in this place. An embassy is not the kingdom itself, but it is representative It is bigger than the place that it dwells in. For here we find that we are in this kingdom of God, awaiting his coming to take over every nation and every rule. Give us this day our daily bread. This daily bread is not more than we need necessarily, but we pray that we get what it is that we need and no more. In America, this is an odd, odd thing. We live in a land of excess. Maybe inflation will change that a little bit. I don't know. Probably not. But we live in a land of excess. We know what it is to have more than our daily bread. That is a blessing from God. Very few of us know what it is to be hungry or to be without what we need whether that is food or shelter, whether that is safety, electricity, water, it doesn't matter. Our daily bread is summed up in all of our daily needs. And so we go before God and we ask that he give us our daily bread. And what I've always told confirmation classes, and it always shocks them just a little bit, to say that if it is that you don't have something that your body needs, God is saying you don't. You pray for your daily bread and you trust that God is going to give it to you. And if you don't have it, you don't need it. And then forgive us our sins. This is perhaps one of the most important things that we can pray. 
Not because God has not forgiven your sins if you do not pray this. It's true, Jesus Christ has died for all sins, and so your sin is forgiven. And yet we pray it that we would know it. We pray it that forgiveness would be delivered to us. We pray it so that we understand who we are before this holy, righteous God. And we pray it so that we would know who we are before an unrighteous world. When we stand before a holy and unrighteous or holy and righteous God, we find ourselves unrighteous. And we should fall on our knees and bare our necks to the sword of God that he would do with us what he will. And when we stand before the world, we see that we are set apart, which is what the word holy means. But we are as unrighteous in our heart of hearts as the rest of the world. And we bow down and we let them do to us what it is that they would desire to do. Not because they are more righteous than we, not because they are set apart by God for different purposes, but that we serve them, that we might be a witness. In fact, the best way that we serve this world, we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Your friend has sinned against you, forgive them. Your enemy has done something horrible to you, forgive them. Someone owes you a debt of money, forgive it. Someone took your weed whacker without asking and never returned it, let it be theirs. Whatever it may be, let the world do what the world does and let you be set apart for holy things, looking to them with pity and with mercy and giving them whatever mercy you have for them now because the time is coming when they may receive no mercy in the judgment of God. It is not that God will not necessarily forgive your sins if you do not forgive others, but Christians forgive others. And if you do not, then perhaps you are no Christian. So this is why these two go together. Forgive me, Lord, as I forgive others. And lead me not into temptation, that I might not again sin against you, that I might not again fall from grace. It's not that the Lord tempts anyone. In fact, the scriptures plainly say, God tempts no one. But we pray in this petition that God would take us away from the temptation that we face. There's nothing wrong with being tempted, except that as sinners, we want to give in. That stray thought, the stray deed, the thing that no one else knows about, God knows. And it separates us again from Him. And in our hearts, and in our minds, and in our hands. And in this way, our God is good and forgives. Our God is good, and He leads us in paths of righteousness for His own namesake. Now, we've gone through all of this. Did you notice what the theme of this is? Give me, give me, give me. 
when a child does this to their parents, there is nothing more annoying. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I remember doing this to my parents when we were in Toys R Us, back when Toys R Us was really a store. You walk in and you see everything, and you're like, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? It doesn't work. Saw somewhere posted this week, it doesn't matter what store you're in, you can go over into the lawnmower repair shop and your kid is going to ask for something. Dad, can I have this? What use do you have for motor oil? But when it comes to how God asks you to treat him, it's just that. Give me, give me, give me. Give me your name, give me your kingdom. Give me your forgiveness. Give me my bread. Give me no temptation. And you might think God gets sick of hearing this. And he doesn't. But if he did, Jesus tells you, it's like you go to the door of a friend of yours in the middle of the night and you bang on it as hard as you can trying to wake him up. Now you've got to remember, in these days, the whole family would sleep in one room together, literally on one bed to keep warm. And so when the man says, I can't get up, my kids are in bed, they're laying on my legs, they're laying on my head, we're all trying to keep warm. If I get up, all of the children will wake up and all of you know it is impossible to get a kid back down into the same rest that they had if something like you wakes them up in the first place. But God, Though he may be already in bed, which God does not sleep, though he may already have his children draped over him, though he may indeed find it the middle of the night, he will not look at you as a friend does who finally gets out of bed just to shut you up. But instead God leaps out of his bed with joy in his eyes and joy in his heart and says, can I bake you three fresh loaves? Come in. Have some coffee. Come in. Would you like a cow with that? Which I know to us, that's maybe not the best thing. But, but for them, he slaughtered the calf. And how do you know this is true? How do you know God wants you to do this? Look at what Abraham did with Isaac. Or Abraham did with God. When, when Abraham is faced there with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, he goes to God. He literally stands in God's way. That's what it means. And he says, would you really destroy the city if there's 50 people there? Because far be it from you, the just God, to destroy your people with all of these evil, wicked people. And God says, fine, for 50, I'll keep the city. All right, so fine, what about 45? Okay, I won't destroy it for 45. Far be it for me to ask more. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? He keeps going. He's bugging God, literally standing in the pathway of God as he's going on his destruction, halting him, ceasing him. This is how God wants you to treat him. God wants you to be an annoyance to Him. Not that you are, but that you feel like you are. How's your prayer life? How often have you annoyed God? Not with your deeds, 
or with your words? How's your prayer life? If you want to think about this, pretend you're four and pretend you're talking to your parents again. Annoy God with your petitions. Stand up and ask for what it is that you need. Because here's the deal. If you as a parent look at your kid and you go, you know what, you, you want the motor oil, I'll get you the motor oil just to shut you up. If you do that to your kid, how much more so will God look at you whom he loves, he who knows how to give good gifts? What will he give you when you're annoying him? I'll tell you what he's going to give you. He's going to give you his name. He's going to give you his kingdom. He's going to give you your daily bread. He's going to give you the forgiveness of sins. He's going to give you the walkway, the pathway out of temptation. And how do you know this? Because Jesus says so. Because Jesus himself is the crucified and risen Lord. He is God himself. And he says, come to me. This is what I am constantly asking for you of my Father. And it is what you should ask too. And every answer to this prayer from God is yes. How often is it that we pray to God and we wonder what's the answer going to be? And I can tell you, there is no doubt when you pray the Lord's Prayer what his answer is. Because the Lord God himself taught you to pray it. In fact, it is the Lord God who makes the way for it to be answered yes. If it were up to us, if it were our holiness, our righteousness that allowed us to stand before God and ask Him stuff, we would utterly fail. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for you, God looks at this and says, that's yours. And because of it, I love you and will hear everything you ask me and I will give to you everything I've promised. The death and resurrection of Jesus forgives your sins, but it opens up the way for God truly to have mercy on you. You consider that? Jesus Christ is the way that he loves you. Jesus Christ is the way that God takes care of you. And Jesus Christ, as scriptures plainly teach, is the yes, yes, it shall be so from God's mouth. So, you want something practical? Go out and annoy God today. Do it. You never will, but try your best. Bother Him with your prayers. Lift up everything you can possibly think of that you need and want to God. Know that He is going to answer the prayers that He's given to you to pray with yes. And see what it is that God would give to you. Because the more you pray, 
the more your eyes are open to the very good gifts of God Himself in all things. Your house, your food, your family, your friends, your cars, the air we breathe, the earth we stand upon, the water we swim in. God has given it all to you as an answer to your prayers. And He will continue to give to you all of the time. So go home. Ask of God what it is that you need. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ, because you're covered by that very name. And trust in confidence that God is going to give you what he's promised. You can't bother him too much, my friends. Our Lord paid the punishment for that kind of thing, if it were a kind of thing. He loves you. He will have mercy on you. He will do all good things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.